Welcome to Kingdom.Think. We are covering Genesis 18, 19, and Psalms 9 and um, Matthew 9. Now, things are going to get... Here's the funny thing. Most people don't read the Old, Old Testament straight through, but a lot of people are nervous about it. They, they're they uncomfortable with some of the stories. But I say we don't shy away from the stories. And if it's disturbing, don't try to judge it as if the Bible is bad or good because this happened or God is good or bad because this happened. Take it as what it is. Let it speak to your soul. Ponder on it and see it how it, it develops over time. And you don't have to like the things that occurred. Sometimes things occurred in the past that specifically happened that's true, but it's something for us to learn for today in a lesson, or we may not ever understand on this side of heaven. Um, So that's what's going to happen in chapter eight. I'm just letting you know. Things get a little bit um, uncomfortable, 18 and 19. You'll be fine, but it gets a little uncomfortable. So here we go. So Abraham... um, and there's some very interesting things. And, and I'm going to just try to unpack this as best as I can. So here we begin, uh, verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent. In the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. Wait a sec. The Lord appeared to Abraham. Then he looked up and saw them, these three men. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought. Okay, so he's really, um, were they angels? No, they were real men. So was God a spirit? Like, did he show up in human form? It, It gets like a little unclear here. And we may not know, but God did sometimes speak audibly, sometimes speak with um, just thoughts internally. Sometimes he actually appeared. Sometimes it was dreams and visions. Sometimes he showed up in in prophets through word. And then he showed up as Jesus in human form, himself in human form. So that leaves a lot of open interpretation of these three men. Okay, but we know, we know that they were possibly angels, they were possibly, but in human form. Anyways, Abraham's very aware, and this is going to make a big difference when we move along. So just keep that in the back of your mind. These are not ordinary men. I don't know what they look like, but they weren't ordinary men. So then he saw them, he ran to them, he said, hey, come to my house. They said, oh, so he brought them to their home to feed them. He told Sarah, get them some food get the best food we could possibly bring. And that's exactly what he did. Um, And then he basically told Abraham next year, we're going to come back and your Sarah is going to have a son. Sarah laughed and she said, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Um, Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh, but but he said, yes, you did laugh. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, so that's really interesting. So then these men got up to leave, 
And when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, the Lord said, so was this, was the the Lord walking with these three men? Was, still don't know. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Is he thinking that in his head or did he say it out loud? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all the nations on earth will be blessed through him for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about from Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sins are so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. Okay, wait, time out. So only human form people, a man. So was God in the one of those three men? Because why did he have to go down there to see? If he was God, he would just know. So I'm just trying to kind of distinguish that these three men are very different. And... and yeah. Okay. So then, uh, then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50? And then he goes through, you know, basically, um, having a negotiation with God saying, well, what if there's 50? Would you save them? Okay. Yeah. I'll save them 50. Well, what if there's five less? God's like, mm, okay, I'll do, I'll save them for 45. Ah. You know, don't need to mean to keep asking, but what if there's 30? Yeah, yeah, I'll save them for 30. Okay, now that I've been so bold as to ask you 30, I might as well just ask you 20. And so there's going down, 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 and he's really being silly. Um, and even, even he gets to 10, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just one more time. What if it's 10 can be found there? And he answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. Well, we know this, the ending of the story. There was less than 10. These men, the, oh, here we go. Remember, ooh, um, how many men, um, sitting on the tree, three men. So he saw three men standing nearby. Um, now the two angels arrived in Sodom. Now, when these two men had left, Abraham was still standing there talking to God. So God was in flesh at that time because he stayed there talking to God as they negotiated the whole Sodom thing. Okay, moving right along, chapter 19. Um, Now the two angels arrive in Sodom and Lot sees them. He says he recognizes they are different He recognizes that. And he said, my lords, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way in the morning. First they said no, but he insisted. Then when they get there, now remember Sodom and Gomorrah is so corrupt. And these men must have been radiant. That's my guess. Because all the men in the Sodom and Gomorrah went to the town, to Lot's house. Here's where it gets a little bit skanky and grody. They go to Sodom's house. They're banging on his door. Send out those men because they wanted to have sex with the men. These two angels, you see. 
the men of the town was banging on Lot's doors saying, send these two technically angels out so we can have sex with them. Why? Now, I when I read this before, I was like so irritated and angry and disgusted at what happens, what Lot says to them. But here's the thing. I'm starting to recognize that these two angels were so distinguished. And if you remember back before Noah's time, the angels actually had sex with humans and created these monster creature things way back in the beginning. So maybe that's what they wanted to do. I don't know. That's just what my thought was this time. Okay, so here we go. Um, Okay, here's where we're all going to just like, what the heck? He said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do, ooh, ooh, ooh whatever you want. Okay. None of us like that. Of course, I will never understand that. But the one thing we do know something about their culture, women didn't have any, they were property. They were, you know, like your cattle, your animals, they had no prop. They, so that was the culture back then. We have to recognize that at least. And we also have to recognize that Lot and his family have been living in corrupt culture for so long. Their minds were twisted. Honestly, when you live in a culture, it starts to just grow on you the way they believe, the way they think. I mean, that's what's happening in this day and age. Um, we think we know what is right, but we're listening. Let's say you have your children and you're putting music on your favorite music, which happens to talk about sex and abuse and swear words and all these horrible things. But because of our culture, we've become so desensitized that we forget our little children are listening to it. We all know that's true. And there's so many other examples that we are compromising because we are kind of conditioned by our cultural environment. So we have to take that in consideration that Lot was also infected by his culture. So, um, but the angel said, no, 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 don't do that. That's ridiculous. And so he made them all blind so that he said, Lot, let's get out of here um, with your daughters and their husbands. But they didn't have husbands yet, or they maybe they did. But anyways, he went to the son-in-laws and he said, come out, let's run away from here. And the son-in-laws didn't believe him, so they stayed. So it was just Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. They left. And they said, do not look back. Let go of the past. Let go. Do not look back. Keep moving forward. And the wife, she peeked. She looked back and turned to dust. Very powerful chapter. So powerful. Now, I know this is taking a long time, but we've just got to unpack this chapter. It's that big of a deal because we're not going to tippy toe away from these things that people are afraid to read the Bible because of stories like this. Um, they don't want to read the Old Testament and pastors don't preach on it because they're afraid to let it unpack itself and and deal with the scrutiny of gosh, why is this in the Bible? This is so horrible. Because yeah, it's horrible. Because Lot, so then God told Lot, go to the the hills, go to the mountains. He's like, no, no, I don't want to go there. I want to go to the town. Well, God said, okay. Which is crazy because um, Abraham was up in the mountains. And so that would have been a safe place, but he didn't want to. He was probably used to the city 
and he wanted to stay in the city. So he went to this town and he couldn't live there very long. So he had to leave because they were so corrupt as well. So he goes and lives and settles in the mountains um, with his two daughters. Here's where it gets really nasty. His two daughters are realizing there are no men around here. I'm not going to marry. I'm not going to have children. I can't continue the, the bloodline. So the daughter says, let's get our dad drunk. They had sex with him, got pregnant. And then the next night, the daughter, the other daughter did the same thing. And that is just terrible. And one of the daughters, and here's why it's significant. One of the daughters has a son and she names him Moab. Very important as we move along, you're gonna you're gonna remember that. The other daughter um, has a son, and she calls him Ami, A-M-M-I, and that is the father of the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Ammonites. So just keep that in your back of your mind as we move along. So cool. Now, I know this is a much longer podcast, but we had to unpack those chapters because we are not going to tippy toe away from those things that make us uncomfortable because they're in the Bible. Let's just see what they can do to our mind, our soul. And maybe if nothing else, it makes us recognize the culture that we're in. If you see Lot behave the way he does and we're over here in shock, don't be so shocked We are doing the exact same thing. We're infected by our culture. We are making compromises and sacrifices. And it seems like he's such a terrible person. How many parents have sacrificed their children to music, to culture, to just so many horrible things? Okay. I was getting carried away there. Now... Let's go into some nicey, nice stuff. Psalms chapter nine. What I'd like to say about Psalms chapter nine is I find it very interesting that, um, well, let me just start it off. He says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell you all of your wonderful deeds. Wait, wait, wait. He's going to tell him of his wonderful deeds that he's already done or he's going to do. Well, watch this. This is very fascinating because David is speaking, in my opinion, in future tense, um, he starts talking as if it is already happened. And what's so powerful about that is when we pray, not only do we, we're not supposed to just say, Lord, you know, help me with this thing that I'm doing. No, we come to prayer with Thank you, Lord, that you have fulfilled that promise. Thank you, Lord, that you have given me victory over that challenge. Is that amazing? And that's exactly what he does in this chapter. He says, the, my enemies turn back. Well, that's not totally true yet, but he's speaking in the affirmative. <clears throat> they stumble. <clears throat> they stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right and my cause. Sitting enthroned as the righteous judge, you have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. So this is just a form of very powerful prayer. And I think we could really take some... um, an example of this when we pray speak 
as if it already has happened. That's faith. Um, then here's another example, verse 15. The nations have fallen into the pit they have dug. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. And then we move down to verse 19. Arise, Lord, do not let mortals triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Strike them with terror, Lord. Let the nations know they are only mortal. Ooh, that's good. Let the nations know they are only mortal. Powerful prayer. We could literally learn a lot from how to pray in that chapter. Oh my gosh, this podcast is so long and yet so powerful. Okay, we are moving to chapter 9 of Matthew. Now, this one is, again, many, many miracles. Matthew is just calculating the miracles. The miracles of a paralyzed man, um, the where, where they bring the man and then he says, take up your mat and walk. Um, uh, there's even a mention of how Matthew became a disciple in this chapter. Um, Jesus questions about how people are fasting. How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? So they're questioning him. And Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and they will fast. So there's always, Jesus always talks in stories. So here we go. No one sews a patch of unshrunk clothes cloth on an old garment for the patch will pull away from the garment making the tear worse neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins if they do the skins will burst the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined that was his answer to their question jesus loves to talk in parables so jesus raises the dead girl and heals the sick woman that goes on in the next portion of this chapter and then um he's demonstrating more miracles uh, the blind and the deaf man. He's driving out demons. Um, so we come to the end of chapter um, 9. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Not some, every disease and sickness. Jesus heals every disease and sickness. We forget that because we think he doesn't heal or he picks and chooses. Oftentimes it's a, it's, he heals every time. It's, we go into our same old habits. We believe we our same old ways, or we do the same things that got us sick again. Um, or we just don't have the faith. It's really plain simple. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So now Jesus is starting to say, um, we need, you know, this is a very, very powerful verse that's used in the mission world a lot. Um, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And that's still accurate today. That was chapter nine. Oh my gosh. Longest podcast so far. I hope you enjoyed that because when they are big chapters like we had, we have to unpack. And I'm always going to address the things that are uncomfortable because we got to stop being afraid to read the Old Testament because there's things we don't understand or we don't like. That's okay. That does not have to get in the way of our faith. 
and our commitment and our belief. So I hope you enjoyed that. That was a lot. Read them through, meditate meditate on them, and certainly pray about it and get your insight. Until tomorrow, have a great day.